I'm Michael Sean Harris, and you're listening to Mike's Moment Of, a weekly podcast in which I, along with my guests, share our various interests in moments of inspiration, truth, life, technology, culture, and more. I hope you're entertained and informed, and that you feel inspired to join me again and again in my Moments Of. Welcome to another episode of Mike's Moment Of, and today I'm speaking with Jermaine Rowe. Jermaine Rowe is a professor, he's a, an actor, a dancer, a singer, a playwright. I mean, there's so many things. Um, yeah, I know, but, I sound very no. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're Jamaican, it, it feels like it's, 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 it's so it goes. All the jobs, <laughs> me, me not like him already, me not like him, him too much. <laughs> me not like him. <laughs> uh, but, all right, but we're, we're, we're gonna kind of concentrate on 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 folklore and Jamaican folk culture and incorporating that in current works, right? Um, yeah. So so and I know I know you can because you you have a, a work that you're developing presently. Um, uh, was it the Children of Blue Mountain? Yeah. So I have Children of the Blue Mountain. Actually, that's been developed and is in um, another state of development, and I'm also working on it other projects too but yeah i think we're going to focus a little bit on kind of how i came about the children from the blue mountain yeah right 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 all right well let's let's go back in time a, a touch and um let, let's 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 talk about uh some of your you know the, the the points of exposure to the folklore that really kind of uh got you on this journey um because i'm kind of doing a, a similar thing with my my project which is uh folk beats and blip speak which is more music using the, the folk music with uh with electronic music kind of doing a fusion and recontextualizing it um uh, for a for a, i guess a more current audience i suppose I guess, I guess you could say um so we'll talk about both of those things as we absolutely go well first i want to thank you for this platform i think what's super cool about the platform that you've been creating is i was very inspired recently by one of your recent programs and um with faye ellington talking about the folklore and the culture and it was yes. really coming from that space. You know, you talk about this germane role identity of the multiple things. And I do think that in a lot of ways, it's one thing because it's coming from the same source, which for me is always our folk culture. And I was doing a lot of research um, just for the work I'm working on now, a little bit inspired by what you did in the last program that I won't say what the work is yet. And I okay. started to read. And one of the things that came to me, I was reading some Laura Goodison work. And in her interview, she said, with really good poetry, there's always a medicine in there somewhere for your soul. Mm. And I think that that's what's true for our folklore in Jamaica. With really good folklore, I'm going to steal from her beautiful words and make it about <laughs> the word. With really good folklore and culture, there's some medicine in there. And I think that's what attracted me to the folklore without realizing that I was looking for medicine. I was looking for uh -huh. something within myself that was connecting to... Um, and we're going to go a little bit into my, um, my work a little bit. But I mean, I, I think the first thing without realizing what it was with a name yet is that you were playing within the cultural context always of Jamaican folklore. The way we took from, and of course, it's nothing new. In so it's been there forever. It's in the soil, it's in the trees, it's around you. It's the way we laugh and walk and talk or reimagine games that came from Ireland or England or African diaspora, reimagining it for our soil. So the way we play dandy shandy and sightings or they call it Chinese skip. I don't know if it's politically correct now, it's still called it Chinese skip. <laughs> <laughs> but like those little games and those things, it was, I think there was even within those things playing as a kid on the playground, the way each time we played, um, games we had songs to it my mother and your water was washed in some clothes um <laughs> the way we yeah the way we like we were using the singing with um i'm an ta 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 living a hot ta 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 da da like all those yeah. different things that we would play and we were introducing in the way we played games understood each other a lot of those games were learning community and through yeah. that a lot of our 
folk rhythms were embedded in those spaces. So when did the culture start and when did you evolve? It's so, it's so like they both live side by side. So these medicines were being inputted inside who we were. Mm-hmm. And I got the point in my career as I started to explore things internationally and academically getting a master's in fine arts to start recognizing the wealth in pulling from all those initial sources that you first, whenever there wasn't an audience yet, you were performing those elements before. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Some of your earliest exposure to... To that culture, I know. I, I know you, you, you were saying it's it's in everything, but there's some. Are there any concrete influences that you can you can mention? Absolutely, now, like, church, uh, yeah. church, church, church. Mm-hmm. Like growing up in a, um, I think my church we used to laugh because there's a you know thing in Jamaica that every church has a name as long as the people in the church. The Catholic <laughs> Church of God, based out of the tree around the corner of of the in Christ. Like it has. Yes. So so I went to one of those churches that were you know had all the names in the book. Um, but I loved it because that's where I first found my voice as a singer. And um, I was tambourine warrior. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I was playing that tambourine on my side, on my hand, and finding the polyrhythms within those spaces, um, singing a real, a real, a real cry. So real to me, you're finding all those yes. nuances in the tambourine. And those things started to inform. And so, you know, I tell the story many times of one of my first memories of myself, which is I loved I was coming home and reenacting on my day. So in yeah. school, I, I, I mean, I play all the elements of the church. I'd go home and I'd play everybody in church. I'd go home, <laughs> I'd play everybody in school. And I started pulling from those spaces. And of course, later on in my career, young life, I started to see the Louise Bennett on TV and the professors with Nettleford and the Faye Ellington and those iconic Jamaicans who, Louis and uh, Leonie Forbes, who were yeah. speaking and sharing. And I think one of the gifts of growing up in Jamaica was seeing those people all the time on TV and in the media. And I didn't realize yet how important that was until I stepped away and was living in another context. And I wasn't having that immediate access so readily Mm -hmm. available to me. And I had to go research it. So yeah, those many places were like where I started to find it. And I suppose I said before, hindsight is what making you realize that you were finding the cultural spaces. Otherwise, it was normal. And then, of course, high school, right? JCDC. Like, mm, I course. was yes. thrown into performing for JCDC every year. Um, and that's where you also started to see it coming from other sides of the island. Where right, so I, don't want mm-hmm. to, I, don't, I don't want to take you away from the journey, but let's talk about JCDC just a touch. Um, yeah, man. And, and it's just, you know, because, you know, how this goes, it's, it's conversation. And I have a thing with JCDC. I love it. I love it that it, that it encourages the, it can encourages the folklore and, and, mm-hmm. and the, um, you know, the repropagation of it and all that kind of stuff. But for me, it kind of feels like it does it to a point and then it stops. And it stops at a point where it really, really should have gone a little step further. So mm-hmm. it encourages all these communities, you know, various communities to 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 keep the folk music and the folk dances alive. And and you know, it culminates in this in this presentation around independence time. Uh but you know, can these people it, it, it's work. It's work to to keep these things alive, to keep teaching people and to make the instruments and and and, and make costumes and whatnot. I, for me, it feels like you know the next part of their work should be helping to package these groups and helping to get them bookings on folk festivals in Europe or in the US or uh, you know yeah. or the Caribbean or wherever else because then these people can make a living from what is their life you know what is yeah. their lifeblood. Um, how, how do you feel I, I, about I, that? Yeah, I do think, um, and it's an interesting space. Like now that I'm listening, I realize I haven't thought about it in. To follow through fully i can speak from living internationally and seeing how things work and kind of try to find a common ground there are a few things i absolutely do agree with you um that jcdc for my international people it's jamaican cultural development commission that has been used to for me and my experience with it to have these high school competition and put the that's my experience with it the competition where we come together in high school setting and we compete in music or dance or drama um right and I, those were the three I participated in, in, in mainly. And I think the thing with 
that space, what it definitely did was to expose and encourage young artistry and new, new ways of thinking. What I do know, like living on the outside of, the, of Jamaica, um, is I don't know, because a bigger question, if it is, is the JCDC's responsibility solely to create other platforms and spaces okay. where there are, can other organizations also. Because the thing is, when we when one thing becomes the main thing that we're all we're looking to solve the problem, we're not also looking at other organizations and institutions. Is JCDC okay. doing very, very well what it can do in one setting? And we also need private entities and companies and people to then take it to the next level. Um, okay. it's a, it becomes a bigger conversation that mm-hmm. I first like it's hard to talk about because I haven't sat down and dissected the transition right. through because with JCDC also you're going to need the colleges to then also be training those people to perform because you're talking about performing with the European or, or the the American circuit or like this level. And I've been able to leave Jamaica and train very much in the international setting. Right. And right. there are many things at the same time that are, that are happening. The talent is being scouted. The scholarships are being are available. The colleges mm-hmm. are training at a certain level. Their companies or theater hiring for so my right. thing is that you, 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 you know, when, when you see the possibility, you start creating the work at that level, mm-hmm. then the talent also grows into it. It's the, both mm-hmm. ends have to be working at the same time. So yes, I agree that a lot more could be done. There also has to be sponsorships coming in from private and government to right. stuff. Um, there has to be, there's so many things around that, that requires yeah. a deeper conversation as well. Yeah. But absolutely agree with you that yeah. go ahead. No, it's like it, it, I mean, it could be it could be Jampro. I mean, because uh, all right, I'm thinking of yeah, yeah, absolutely, many many you know, other things, yeah, many 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 other things, yeah. Because I'm thinking of, of what they do, because they do that kind of stuff with reggae and with mm-hmm. dancehall. You know, mm-hmm. they will they will they will they they'll they will support a, a certain number of people to go and represent the country or blah, you know, at, at a festival or whatever. Some you know, sometimes, um, yeah. And 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 the thing is is to really kind of decide on what the aesthetic is that that is the Jamaican folk aesthetic and not necessarily to think of, okay, let's compare it to the US or, or Europe because it's all going to be different and it's coming from a different space and it's, it's really just to stylize this aesthetic in our way um, and not necessarily in, in an American way. But, uh, but I you think, know, and I agree with you. I, I, and I think, though, that you have to provide the space for those people who are the next, because they, they are the educators of the craft, the researchers that end up olive blooming and their job is right. also to create content and work. And then there's also the artists within that space that some people are doing, like I think of companies like Quilt in Jamaica, who are right. and other people who are actually, and all these different people who are also stepping into from different spaces. And I think all of those within the conversation, the you players have to exist, but what of the support of scholarship and or financial spaces because a part of what's happening is a lot of our artists outside of the dance hall spaces have two three jobs survival jobs true um true. that ended not not letting them focus in a particular way um yeah, and so yeah. um they're all these there's and it's the same here sometimes like artists are but i find that in a new york for example a lot of the artists that i work with have MFA in theater. They're, they're terminal degrees in the, the industry. So when you come to the conversation or the table at a certain level, everybody is speaking the work from a really trained honoring space and there's certain bases that are there. Yeah. Because yeah. the assumption is that growing up in Jamaica and living in the folklore means that you understand the performance space and you don't necessarily. Like jumping That's up true. in a company and dancing kumina is sometimes copying the moves as opposed to really understanding the dramaturgy of the work or the where it comes from Absolutely. Work from another space. So there's also that space that even when I was researching and, do, and, and developing the children from the Blue Mountain, um, there were so many gaps that I found in the research that were documented. Um, and so it was like, oh, which is why I really leaned into the work of children from the Blue Mountain. Like I was like, there was these gaps in the cultural spaces that we know are valuable, mm-hmm. but we also haven't done the work to make sure it's documented. But you know what? Um, and I'm wondering if this could be the reason for the gaps. Is that a lot of the research has been done by sociologists, 
and not necessarily by by practitioners, by artists and practitioners. And, and because and because there are more grants for sociological development of, of things, you can you can go online and find a grant for a socio anthropological study. Right. You can't necessarily find the same thing for um, an artist to go develop work, get a commission to yeah. develop a work. Yeah. Um, and their perspectives are different. Absolutely different. Because it should be. It should be different. Yeah. One is yeah. sociology, yeah. one is it's there should be different, and that's what makes it valuable. It should be mm-hmm. different. So the, so the missing part is the perspective of the of the artist creative practitioner. I think that um, there's in, a in gap the research in that, space. Yeah. Yeah. The research yeah. space, also the space to take it from, you know, I f- recently finished a work from Lima's Tale, which was um, written by Pulitzer Prize winner um, Lynn Nottage. And one of the things she talked about when she was talking about it in a, in a talk back with Lima's Tale is the amount of research that she goes through. She would move herself to, when she wrote Doubt, uh, or not Doubt, play that one, the Pulitzer, I'm totally blanking right now. Um, mm. But when she wrote this play, it's going to come back to me um, shortly. Okay. Um, she went and she, she 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 traveled and she got she got grants and she she researched to go and really study the work, study how the people live, study where the where the work came from. Because like something I remember saying to myself recently um, when I was writing this work that I want people to take me really really seriously as a musical theater writer. Right. I have to first be willing to take myself seriously as a musical theater writer, which means that every mm-hmm. single day I have to approach it with the seriousness that I expect people to then take the work. I think sometimes this is just a big broad stroke. Sometimes we want people to take the work seriously and look at the thing without also going into the depth of research and drafts and rewrite that it takes to really take the work seriously. And that right. goes back to our culture. We have to first recognize that the culture is serious. The um, the importance within the folklores are serious. Um, mm-hmm. And the value is not based on if people appreciate it. The value is already there. Right, right. And go into it and do that research and develop the work from a space that is not just for showing, but mm-hmm. be excited about the process of the work. Yeah. I think the key word there is, is value. <laughs> it's the value. Yeah. Value yeah. in in the work, yeah, yeah. Is it only it's, valuable it's, when when it's celebrated by the North? Then it's not exactly. valuable. You know I'm saying mm-hmm. it's already right. there. The work There's is an valuable. inherent value. Yeah, it's an inherent value. But I think we have to first be willing to believe that. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. What 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 are some of your your earliest um, experiments and forays into into using the, the culture, using the folk as a resource? Um, were, research were in terms of developing things? work. Research in, in terms, yes, in terms of developing work, yeah. Um, well, of course, there was the being in the NDTC, for example, or Movement Dance Company. Well, actually, p- prior to that, in high school, St. Catherine High School, we were developing work um, for a performing arts. So we were pulling from a kind of North American way of telling a narrative. Like I remember when we pulled Sarafina, and we did okay. that in high school, but. Under the direction of Hugh Dows and uh, Dr. Oli Mundell, we developed it through the lens of the Jamaican narrative. So I remember okay. when we did Sarafina in high school, we set it mm. in Jamaica. Oh, and okay. We, and we worked through, we were working through, so we pulled some of the songs on the show, but we also did a lot of the things from our world. And we, we had put, instead of putting some of the South African songs, we put some dance. So I think one section we had like Zim Zimmer in it. Like, so like or, or section <laughs> where we put different things from our culture. So we were, I was, I, I did grow up in that space in mm. Jamaica. And, you know, people would come to us afterwards and like, oh my God, that that's a really good play. Can we get the script to do it on our school? And we're like, we never have a script, you know. We just kind of throw <laughs> some actors in a room and say, play it. Yeah. And so a lot of it came from what I learned later on in my big degree was devised work. Devised, right, right, right. <laughs> Without realizing, for us it was do a thing. That's what we call it. We're just like, do <laughs> right, thing. right. Yeah. But we yeah. also realized that I was, because when I remember going to grad school and I was like, oh my goodness, I, I was doing this long time ago, this devised yeah. idea. We just really never realized that there was a way of codifying devised work in Caribbean spaces. True, true. And it was such a natural thing to it's us. It's a natural thing, uh-huh. but to make it codified and become the value that we're trying to get to it, we within the practice space have to not recognize that it was a natural thing, but it was a mm-hmm. valuable thing. Right, right, right. And also make a part of how we develop work through the Caribbean narrative a lens 
Because mm-hmm. that devi- uh, devising theatre, I mean, that was that's basically what Asher did for most of their productions, mm-hmm. and um, and 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 then you know Brian Heap did has done that a lot with with Philip Sherlock with the university players. I think but, he's written some books on it. Absolutely, but I but I think that we. Just the way we tell stories in Jamaica, we often use the, um, the ep- what we call it in, in dramaturgy, the epic style of theater, where we have the kind of narrator telling the story alongside the world happening as well. Yes. You know, the person who's commenting. And like I wanted, in one of my works that I created, um, uh, Mom's Eulogy, I wanted to explore the natural space in the Caribbean where I remember going to see a show in Jamaica, a play. And um, the audience, I think he was Glenn Campbell on stage. And the okay. audience member sitting down in the front row touched Glenn on his leg and said, I like you. <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of the world. And Glenn had to just adjust to that and keep on going. But yes, for, yes. And everybody was like, what? you know, she didn't know about but those little things for me as a writer and a cultural ambassador becomes the way we tell unique stories where the audience feels that they can talk back to you. Yes, and be yes. a part of the world, and I do think that in an interesting way, there is some value in that. And if there, and because those are cultural spaces that we learn to talk back to the stage, yes, yes. and the audio or, or the direct address where you know people want the actor on stage to see you in the audience. You're not just yes. audience; you are part right. of the players in the world, but you're playing mm-hmm. the part of audience. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. those spaces for me become... So what, the, the way we devise theatre, the way we look at... Because it's, you know, you look at the, the practice of the night. Everybody mm-hmm. who come in the space automatically becomes a part of the space. There's a lead singer and a lead tracker and all these things, but there's a theatrical element to that, that the right, folklore. Right. So when I wrote The Children from Blue Mountain, the Ananti character becomes that person for me. Okay. In the space. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I love that that idea, though. I, I was going to go to another question, but I, I wanted to, to explore it some more. Where, where, <laughs> where the where the response and the response of the audience becomes a, a, a valuable part of the of the drama that's happening on stage. Absolutely, the, the and I think line. the person who you know, I I lead into that fully in in in, in the children from the water because the audience becomes a part of the children. And um, okay. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. You you are supposed to be a part of the world. You are, there's a one, and it's not new. I think a lot of other cultures have done it. There is, we come from oral tradition, hugely in our right. culture. Why do you think that is? Because everybody recognizes the value of passing down the information. That yeah. means everybody is a part of the information sharing, including the audience. Yes. Including the audience. And if you leave them out, you you not that it's a bad or good thing, but I think you stand the chance of making the work so culturally specific. Because what I'm realizing even more, post grad, st- grad school study and creating my own work, is the space the Caribbean has to create the new wave of how theater can move forward. We're living at a time right now where the world has paused its redefinition of theater. Right. And hugely, um, I think a space for reimagining the world has to come from cultural practices because mm-hmm. theater existed when it was, uh, or storytelling existed even when it was outside of a mass production space. And I think mm-hmm. the anxiety that we're feeling as artists is the anxiety of the mass production space of the art. Okay. But that doesn't mean that the art still doesn't exist and lives within the spaces that it always lived, which is community space. And one value of the other is more important. And coming from the space of the Caribbean storytelling and folklore, and I, I grew up hearing, and I, I laugh about her, my sister and I talk about her all the time. My stepdad had um, lived in the country in St. Mary. And we used to go up there like in the holidays. And there was... Um, a great grandmother that they, I was too young to remember her name. So I just call her in my Jamaican self, the old one. Um, <laughs> and the old one, I can't, your name is slipping me now. And she used to love when we came up there because my sister and I were huge on storytelling and listening to stories. And she, yes. was a, such a, she was such a character where she would have all these stories in her head and tell us these stories that, and she would sing the songs along with the stories and give you character voices. And she was such a character herself where she always smoked a cigarette 
but she never uh-huh. like she never like wasting any of the cigarettes. So she put the lit part in her mouth so that <laughs> so that the ash would fall on her tongue. Oh my! If that's not a character, I don't know what else is. Indeed. And she was and she was blind. And so she okay. sat in a corner and she would feel your hand to say, oh, I Jeremy and this, I Jasmine this. <laughs> and, then she, and then she told us her story and she would start it with a little, and she would make it up on the spot. And it was so wonderful. And I look back at that valuable theatrical moment, not realizing what that was. And she told stories from the way she grew up, but that's how I think stories can still live and exist in this yes, space yeah, where yeah. it's two or three people gathered together to share and I think artists now have to recognize the value in connecting in that space because I know a lot of my friends, and I do, feel the anxiety of the world slowing down and saying theater is non-essential, which is so mm-hmm. not true. And right. storytelling is non-essential. And so, you know, Broadway is closed until 2021 and all these things are happening. And we have to really find, for me at least, leading fully into the cultural space, which I listened to the program the other day, the Duppy stories, the right. stories that we told each other when we didn't have the mass production of spaces that kept us connected has value. Yes, yes, yes. What are, are, are there any specific elements of the culture that speak the loudest to you? I mean, that that kind of stir you or spur you on is, is you know, w- w- what are the aspects of it that, that really get you going? Um, wow, there's so many um, things because I've been so fortunate to be in the dance world in Jamaica in a very high level, the music world and drama, drama world, I learned a lot um, later outside. But um, when I tap into the culture, using it for my work. So let me talk a little bit about because I've been mentioning it in the umbrella of this conversation. My yeah, work, The yeah. Children from the Blue Mountain, looks at this folkloric legend, Jack Mandora. Um, right. And because for those who don't know, the Jack Mandora is the kind of the, the end of our story. We say Jack Mandora may not choose none and you know mm. for a lot of us that looks at the storyteller being responsible for telling the story how he got it not adding embellishment just being really honest being the bearer of stories so mm. i wanted to explore in that who this jack mandora was and why is that person the responsibility given the responsibility of guarding all stories in a manner of speaking um, and when I decided to do some research, I realized that there was no real specific legend around who Jack Mandora really was. So I decided right. to create, I decided to, you know, when you see something missing in the world, you create it. I created that. I started to create his origin story. And so okay. when I started to look at that, what first came out to me and I started in my research was the music. So music is one of the first thing I go to in our culture, how we listen to music or rhythms or polyrhythms going back to working specifically with Marjorie Riley and seeing how she did some of the iconic tinglings in my spine, I call them work, like (laughs) Kumina and Garaventa and that wonderful composition of going within the culture, taking it out and also making it theatrical, but also respecting the work, but also putting her her reimagined take on it. Became really excited. So I I was listening to the original form of like the Etu, and Kumina and all these folklore and seeing how she transitioned, slowed some things down or sped right. some things up. Like she made the Kumina a little bit faster so it wouldn't have the same trance-like effect. Like there's different mm. things that within that space and how she merged it seamlessly. That's why the I want to know, I want to know because it became really well known. Like people don't even know. I have friends who call it the I want to know dance. They <laughs> yes, don't, yes, yeah, because yes. the music, the music pulls you. So, I, so that was the first thing that I stepped into. Then I was creating okay. the work. And then I okay. went into the movement of the culture and what, what the movement told you. And then I started to lean into the characters, like the who was the River Muma and the Anansi. Because mm-hmm. within the world of Jack Mandora, what happens is that the world starts in a hurricane and a storm, very, very Jamaica. And I thought about my first memory growing up. And one of my first memories of anxiety and panic was Gilbert, very, very right. young. Yes. I mean, my world was still like, my, 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 my mind was still so young, probably like four or five, and I was looking at my mother running in and out of the hurricane, um, putting blocks on the zinc roof so the roof wouldn't come off. And mm-hmm. it was just like this moment of, what can I do to help? And that's where I started the musical. But for the Jack Mandora character, he wasn't hearing and seeing the storm. 
the thunder was speaking to him in Coromanti. Oh, okay. Okay. The last spoken <laughs> language of Jamaica. So it's like, and so he's caught in a trance and it kept saying, which is someone came here with you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, what is that? What is it saying? And of course the mother's like, you know, as loving mothers do, you know, be careful, stop, what, what are you doing? Like, you know, you need to help the community and help the society and help. But he kept hearing a romantic conversation, a, a whale of sort, what I call the whale, or the whales, the unintelligible whales of the ancestors and Coromantic speaking to you as a storm is happening. And he can't shake it. So then he goes on a journey with Tukuma, Takuma, his best friend in the world, pulling from the culture again. Yeah. Um, to go on a journey to go, what is this? And in trying to understand something that he's, and it was a question that I asked myself, the journey I was going on, when you try to follow the gut, the passion that you hear within you, and it's not clear, is it still worth following? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was on this journey too of like living internationally, trying to be this international performer the culture from which I came was either not seen as not necessarily valid, but people kept going, you're not Jamaican enough if I went in for castings because they had an idea of what Jamaican was or about American right. enough. And I was trying to find my accent where I lived in the world and all the different things. And I kept hearing to write from the space that I knew. And so that where, that's where that question came from. When the world is in chaos, where do you find the eye of your storm? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was pulling from the cultures, cultural spaces to find that. Um, so he goes on this journey, and along the journey, he also meets Romuma, who becomes a guiding source for him. So I was like pulling from the culture. And of course, in every Jamaican story, I think, or my experience, you have to have a mongrel dog. So a mongrel <laughs> dog also takes him on the journey. And yeah. I remember seeing a part of what inspired me the mongrel dog character sings a song. Um, that is a reimagine Emmanuel Road. Um, okay. Instead of say, you know, say Emmanuel Road is the road to go when rock stones you need to break. Stay on the path, mm-hmm. stay down low. And I was doing that. What inspired me was I went to Afropunk Festival in Brooklyn and saw Grace Jones on stage. Ah, uh, okay. And I'm watching okay. Grace Jones one from Spanish Stone like myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at her and how she reimagined our culture to a high fashion space. Yes. And I'm like, why am I limiting myself? And then she sang this song, a reimagined version of um, Hilangoli Rider, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that made me look at from that day Hilangoli Ride very differently. She's saying, <laughs> Hilangoli Rider, go a little further, push a little slow. I was like, okay, never thought of Hilangoli <laughs> Ride as a raunchy song. Right until Grace Joe, or not raunchy, but like a bit like a sexualized song that yes. if you really think of the Hilangoli Rider as a some more detail. Like, oh, there you are! <laughs> like, oh, if I had curls, they would have been clutched. I, like, <laughs> I love you. I love you for giving me the freedom to remember that within my cultural spaces, I can still find versions of myself because all yeah. of who we are from that culture. We can't live from that source. Yeah. The tree from which we grow, all the leaves are different, but the roots the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, yeah, and you know that's, that's just because there there is there there is so much in the culture, and there's so many different levels in the culture. And sometimes you know the powers that be, or the, you know the people with the loudest voice, kind of highlight what they want to highlight. But there's other mm-hmm. stuff there that's and, waiting to be to be to be you know uncovered and to be celebrated. But isn't that the gift of theatre, though? Look at theatre's response all the time to the status quo. It pushes against. Theatre is always supposed to be counterpoint. Those who are leading the narrative now will have to make way for those who are pushing the narrative coming from the other space. That theatre has always, like, that's why you do theatre history in school. It's always been a response to when the absurdism movement came out, like Theatre of the Absurd or Auteur or um, Beckett or, you know, Expressionism and all these things came Mm -hmm. about in response to what was happening before in theatrical spaces, the cultural spaces require that. The one way of seeing theater has to also be countered with, look at this other way of talking about it over here too. All are valid within the space. 
So what mm-hmm. is mainstream but the common agreed upon thing at the moment? Absolutely. 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 Yeah. So all right, so for me, because uh, with, with some of the stuff that I explore with the with the with the music, um and, and it's more than music, but right now it's is what it's expressing as. Because I'm 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 also writing stories as well. But um one of the, the the thing that strikes me and sometimes it surprises me is that you know there's there's aspects to the culture that that for me are a resource that you wouldn't necessarily think immediately uh, are a resource something as simple as the rhythm of the language the rhythm of the patois yeah. um you know i i've 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 had access to some of those few recordings that uh, olive lewin and Marjorie wiley have made in the 60s and uh there's a few recordings of of a uh, of a couple of people doing anansi stories and there's one particular gentleman and I, and I don't know his name uh but the, the, his voice the, you know has this this tone which is beautiful and then the way he speaks is it, so it, it, there's a melody to it so yeah. so so one of the things i did is uh extracted with, with some software extracted the melody of of you know his speech in different sections and then I took those notes and created cards from them, and then you know used those the, 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 the notes and and made like you know improvisational um, passages as well uh, for this. Yeah. Thing I, I did call Anansi stories, but you know that's just to, to to show that there's there there's nothing that is that is not a, a, a valid resource. Nothing about the culture. I mean, you know, n- nothing at all. Absolutely nothing. I mean, well, I think <laughs> is, is 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 isn't that the gift of the artist to take anything and reimagine it based on. The yeah, questions. Yeah. I this morning up before I came on with you, I was speaking with a friend of mine who I'm advising on writing a screenplay, and and I keep reminding him that it's not the answers that we have that makes us write and create work. It's the questions. Mm-hmm. It's the questions that we have that we explore that becomes work. Um, and I think the artist who recognizes that it's not about finding the answers, it's about going on the journey of the question to maybe yes. collectively find the answers or to be a part of the discussion together. Um, is at least the work that I want to create and I want, I enjoy seeing, let me put it that way. It is that, yeah, we all can go to half a tree and take 10 different perspectives of the stories that we see. Um, there was a professor, there's an album called Black Up, I can't remember the name of, oh my goodness, that, that talks about, there's a lady in half a tree that was there and he pulled from her, the sound that she made in selling and created work from that. Um, that's, that's Peter Ashburn, I think. Did, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, there are quite a few. Yeah, I think it's okay. Peter Ashburn. Um, yeah. But there, there's been a, a few other people who have taken that space to create that work. Um, there's a section in my show called Coronation Market. And in, in this section, it was when, it's when Jack Mandora is on his, the journey of trying to understand the so, what we call the souls from yesterday are crying. That's what he recognizes in the thunder, but he's not able to hear them. Um, and okay. so he goes to the market to buy and sell stories or to, to see what stories are being bought and sold to kind of hear what the people are saying. And this is where he meets the ladies from Nakovia, um, Pichy Pachi and all these um, John Connor characters come alive to him. Um, right. And one of the things that I started to, to, to do to create that section, to try to capture the truth of that moment, I was on vacation in Jamaica. And I remember going to my, with my mother to Spanish Town Market. We, 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 we were from Spanish Town. And mm-hmm. I kind of just, the whole time I went to the market, put my phone on record just to listen to the entire market. <laughs> just listen to the market. Just listen to how people grabbed attention. Um, yeah. How people, there was kind of this underneath sound, which I created this rhythm underneath. And then... Um, on top of creating that was this kind of Suma Wakaya, which Ukumiya created, which is the Karamante undertone. And then the calling out of different things that every time the rhythm would change, but the time signature underneath stayed the same. Because that was happening in the market where right. the, you know, the rhythm of the people would change because somebody is going to say, watch and buy you, watch and buy you, tears and buy Rat Pison, right? Mm-hmm. And it's all those things are happening at the same time but the rhythm somehow kept underneath. So that was a really fun exploration to try to figure out how to find that truth, but being willing to quickly change because in Jamaica that happened where you're there and all of a sudden something pull your attention. You're in the market going on, all of a sudden a church group is marching in and that sound dominates. Yes, the, yes, the, yes. the preacher on the microphone now dominating. 
Um, and then if you walk two blocks, two sections down, a dancehall music is dominating the sound. So like, <laughs> so all the, all those are happening within the same space as people are trying to niceness buy something from me. You know, the, all that right. was happening at the same time. Um, and how even the people who were talking to you, I think that's always so funny. Now, being born and raised Jamaican, living internationally, have a slight twang in the way I speak now. So I walk to Jamaica and people can look at me immediately and see that I'm no longer from the island. And how, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what's hilarious to me is now the Jamaicans who I talk to my sister, say, yeah, my girl, everything all right? Turn to me and say, hey man, how you doing, man? Everything all right, man? And I'm like, please don't do that to me. Like, I'm from the culture. Like, But how we have these wonderful ways of switching yes. and assimilating in a wonderful way culturally. And I wanted to like figure out how to capture that gift in mm. music and in um so i was, I was it's what you know the counterpoint as, as any artist know you find these wonderful counterpoints and within mm. our language and our culture we have those counterpoints in our language and our accents all the time it's funny when you talk when you're talking about the the, the different sounds it reminds me there's something when i was doing my master's in in spain um at berkeley we had a project to do uh, which is kind of to create a, a sound installation, mm. and you know that yeah, that thing about Jamaica with the you know the the, the churches and the bars that you know as, mm-hmm. as many churches per capita there's a you know there's a bar next door kind of thing. So I, I had a, a friend send me some you know go, go near to a church or go into a church and record some audio a couple churches actually and then um do like the roadside bar like on a Sunday kind of thing you know. So he sent me those recordings and we had to do a, a kind of a, a, a I guess a kind of coding to have the, the audio because we had to do a, I did four speakers in a, in a room, mm-hmm. you know, four on one side, four on one side. But what would happen is that the audio from the, from the different audios, I think there was four different samples. They would circulate from speaker to speaker. So they'd be moving around. So as you moved around, you'd probably hear a church and then you walk again, you hear, you hear a bar and it wasn't the same at any one speak at any one time. So, so yeah. Kind of, and and that's for me is, uniquely within a certain kind of space because you start realizing that going back to the early part of the conversation, the value in the thing has to be first seen amongst those who are living the thing. Right. And you don't realize how valuable that experience is until sometimes you're separated from it, not just valuable, but how it's unique, how I walk around America on a day-to-day basis and those juxtapositions aren't happening because yes, even yeah. those 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 juxtapositions, because it also gives you an appreciation for this unique, diverse space. Um, and so like, I look back at Jack Mandora within the world in my mm-hmm. story, and when all this has happened, he asks a question, which in his the call the big I want song in the music show, he says, How can I harmonize when I'm hearing a different song? Where mm-hmm. everybody is saying to you, stand stand in the middle of that and harmonize and you're like yeah but i'm hearing two different songs at the same time and that's what i think the cultural space is asking you to do every time mm-hmm. you walk in those spaces is to go you're hearing all these different things but who are you in that space and i know the folklore interestingly enough what makes a ritual like nine night and kumina and all these wonderful similar practices work is that unique individuals are also standing out in mm-hmm. those collective experiences so the way i do the kumina over here so maybe a little bit fiery than the way you do it over there so and my and i, I love that wonderful scene in garaventa that professor netherford created where everybody is on the stage dancing with partners and the girls are going around different partners and every partner doing the exact same gary step but in their own unique way and they're mm-hmm. doing this couple coupling and dancing of that section and it is that space where Yes, we all have this step together, but it's also exciting when the individuals participate yes. in the collective experience and stand up. Like I've been in church before now where I know that the spirit that's happening is a performative mm-hmm. spirit versus a real mm-hmm. spirit because right, right, okay. she can't get in that spirit more than me. She's no more older <laughs> than me. <laughs> and I've seen a spirit off before in church yes. and I'm like, that don't look like a real spirit. Like you, oh, she a roll and I go on like she earlier. Yeah, make, a, yeah. make a roll and run around the church. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then do a twerk. 
and then twerk, I do and a twerk. And yeah, because it's like it's almost there's almost still a performance space within even the re- most religious, beautiful ceremonies. Sometimes, you know, I remember as a kid, my sister, you know, this woman, we were as kids we were laughing at this woman getting the spirit because we thought it was funny. And then mm-hmm. when the spirit done, she looked at her, you can't laugh off of me. I was in the spirit. And my sister's like, but if you're in the spirit, oh, you know what I'm laugh off of you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, what there's that always duality that I yeah. think is, I love to explore through our culture. Um, but but it's so much of our of our of our life and our culture. I mean, generally, and I, I guess this is true everywhere. Is mm-hmm. is theater and is production. I mean, church is. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. Jama- J- Jamaica is more not not a, you know this. I, I've been love, loving the saying. My friend and I always send a message to each other to this random videos. And we always say Jamaica is not a real place. Have you yes, seen these? Yes, yes. Yeah, but, but what, yeah, but what we but I think what we really mean by that is the fact that some of the things that happen are so extra performative and theatrical. Like, look at Carl the Contractor. We need the Contractor. Yes, All those, yes. The rhythm in what she's saying. And, you know, the nobody can cross it. You know, yes. the, all these the bite of the week become, because there is almost a performance level that is seemingly innate in our culture. Yes. But as a thespian or artist, relying on that wonderful space isn't enough we have to then push past and the other space to say, okay, what, when we see this wonderful, wonderful resource that we have, how do we make it into, you go back to the JCBC question, mm-hmm. then recognizing that this is the strength and viability and maybe financial success of our country is our culture. Right. How do yeah. we then take it from this wonderful performance space of overperforming a lot of stuff into codifying it and becoming valuable? And I think all of us need to do it in our own unique ways. Yeah. I think all of us need to, there need to be many versions of the way we tell stories. It's what we call a theory I came up with. Well, I, I think I came up with it because I haven't found anybody else that said it, but it may also have come with my several ways of learning. It's called the reverse um, Chinese telephone. <laughs> Explain. Where the reverse Chinese telephone is where, you know, the one person start with the truth and disseminate it and people can choose within that space to change it. Because sometimes in the Chinese telephone, you decide ever change it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you decide you're going to be the one to make it funny and say something different. But the first Chinese telephone is we start from the kind of misinformation place of it's moved so far from the source, but each of us need to retrace the steps to come back to the truth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think within the artistic space, creatively, if each of us tell our versions of the cultural practice that we learned it and how we, we were we were engaged and informed by it, eventually we get to this place where the next generation can go further and further and further to what I think is the common truth of our cultural practice and spaces is that we're all connected. Right. We all yes. come from source and love and light and joy and well-being. And that is the riches of the culture, the laughter that we get from it, the joys that we get from it, the lessons that we learn. Because our cultural spaces were coming from, a lot of times, spaces of healing through trauma. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The dances came from healing through some of the traumas that people were being moved across the world into Caribbean spaces into. They were holding on to ways of belief systems, spiritually and otherwise, that kept us safe. They were yeah. not just stories that were empty. Um, some of these were coming from these wonderful spaces of protection. So the more we dig into it, go back to Lorna Goodison, the medicine within those things are important. You, you were talking about the friend that you have who's you, you're assisting with, uh, you're, you know, you're advising on his uh, screenplay or her screenplay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you mentioned to them that it's the questions, not the answers that you have. It's the questions that you have that kind of will, will, will move the, the story along or, or inspire the, the, the creation. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, was, I was saying that, you know, I, I kind of hope that I never get to the answer in a sense. I, I kind of want the, the questions to inspire more questions. Yeah. And then those questions inspire more questions. Because I think one of the things I go back to is, why did you want to write it in the first place? What was that question that you had? The thing that you felt missing? 
that made you want to write in the first place. That for mm. me becomes really exciting to explore um, because you, you can get lost in the showings and the drafts and people opinion of the work. But I think going back to the questions that made you want to write in the first place and explore in the first place keeps you true to the work. And, and, and the, your audience will, will, I think, enjoy that journey more. Than, the audience will get it more when you're specific. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. more specific yeah. you are to yourself, the more specific you are to where you live in the work and the world, the audience will connect to it more. I always believe mm-hmm. that. If you try to write too much for the audience, the big audience, it then right. becomes too general. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you're trying to please everybody. Okay, so Jermaine, Children of the Blue Mountain, where, where do you see it going and where would you like it to go? Uh, right before the quarantine had happened and everything, we were actually in development for a... Recently, I got selected, uh, shortlisted for the Eugene O'Neill Festival, which is a pretty big festival here. or something that Lin-Manuel Miranda went through when he did um, In the Heights and quite a few really well known works from like Coleman Domingo went through that. So that was something that I was targeting before because of big trajectory was I wanted it to go the full test of the works that I admired, like a Lion King or a Fela or these big iconic works, but coming from directly the Caribbean space. Um, okay. So we were in development for it um, when everything got paused. So hopefully once all this is hap- over, um, we'll be able to pick back up that equity development lab, which I'd identified a lot of actors to come together. And LPAC, LaGuardia Performing Arts Center, has was helping me to develop the work. And I've been very fortunate with the work where I've been writing and working on it for like five, six years too. I do have a nice following of people here on this side of the world in New York. Um, and I'm trying to get it towards the London side, but I'm really interested to figure out how to develop it in the Caribbean space more. Um, Jamaica would be great. Um, I'm actually doing some readings of the script now, right now, as we go through everything now with some theater companies, uh, Caribbean theater companies, just kind of hear the work on Caribbean actors. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, there's the long trajectory of a work that is at the Broadway level, but also still fully accessible to the Caribbean culture, um, a touring company. So I'm looking at it in a very major way. Yeah. Like in your in your in your development of this and in the exploration of this, um, who, whose voices are you hearing in your head? <laughs> it's a weird question. Whose no, voices are you hearing in your head? <laughs> whose voices am I hearing in my head? Um, you think as you write work, and you probably know this space very very well, where you think you know what you're writing, and the writing tells you where to go. Um, uh-huh. And so I always try never never to write from the ego space. Meaning, whenever I'm work, writing and working after a development, it was my um, dramaturgy teacher Stuart Spencer in grad school that gave me this advice. To it's okay to give yourself breaks in between the work. Um, so whenever I do readings and developments. And I would get this really great feedback and the music particularly gets a lot of great feedback and people want the recordings or whatever. I take a break before I go back to write the work again, because I don't want to write from the, you're doing a good job space for me at least, because I don't want to write from the ego because the ego is what gets excited there. And to remember why, what made the work a good job was be writing from truth and investigating the question. So that being said, I wait for the inspiration of that, those voices that you're talking about, the influences. So a lot of them comes from the young Jermaine asking questions and the voices of mentors like Professor Nettleford or family, like within the work, because there's a, there's a sec, there's a song in the work that says that I'm afraid. And the mother's Mm -hmm. lyric is if the world ever sees the beauty in my boy, if they hear the melody, he sings in his heart as he grows, maybe he can change the world, but just because he's different, I'm afraid. And for me, the voice I was trying to understand was my mother's voice to me as a young kid who never told me to stop being, but the fear that sometimes she saw this young kid who was so different in sometimes a cultural space that she wanted to protect. But it was me trying to understand that her protecting wasn't um, scolding, was coming from her place of saying, I just don't want you to not be happy or the world not to see your beauty because you can seem different. And I think, so what I do is through my work, I 
try to listen to all those voices of people around me that are asking questions as well in a cultural space and try to navigate it through my interpretation as an artist. So in a lot of sense, it's always listening to those. And then I have friends in my life who are muses who sometimes that person is talking to you and a little aha moment hits you going, ah, that's what I'm trying to figure out what to say in the character. Um, So yeah, I use all of the above. (laughs) <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Uh, so for me, I mean, I, 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 maybe it's something that I'd like for it to be, uh, and it's specifically with the with the Jamaican culture and the folk music and the folk culture, not just the music. Um, uh, that that it, you know, it kind of becomes again because I think at one point there was kind of a movement, and and that this kind of exploration becomes another kind of a a, a renaissance, a, a movement of of people exploring the culture. Um, you know, like you are doing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, are, are there are there any other you know of your friends or, or colleagues that you that you see heading in that direction, or maybe that you'd like to encourage to head, head, head in that direction, or you know, you know, yes and no. I mean, the people like Carl Williams, my friend Carl, that I've known for years, is also stateside and uh, who are held, heading in that direction in very direct ways. And of course, the Andrew Clark, who is doing a Bratafo company in the U.S. right now, right. who's using the folk music in a very specific way. And I've been very fortunate to work with Tisha Duncan, who also is a Jamaican mm. actor of stage persona, um, who is who has been working alongside me as director for Children from the Blue Mountain. Oh, um, wonderful, yeah. But Bill T. Jones said something. Um, Bill T. Jones... Uh, who's on so many Broadway work, but also has his own dance company. He became a mentor of mine when I did Fela. We, you know, and one of the things that he said in his work and developing of his work is the fact that as a black male artist, no matter what lens the work ends up taking, the work will always be influenced by that platform that he's on. So when people limit him to say, oh, it's, this work should, you know, how, are you investigating blackness in your work? Or even Toni Morrison where she talks about when people ask her to write more about more universal characters or whatever, it's the idea that one, because of the source, the source from which you come will always be there. Mm-hmm. The way you choose to use it does not have to look the way that people think the folk work should look. So the fact that you are born in the Jamaican landscape and you, like we talked about earlier on about, um, all the influences that taught me ring games and school and all these things, everything I do will always be colored by that ingredient. Always. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as a result, the lens through which we tell the story, what I think is so wonderful about our culture, which I talk about the Chinese telephone version of it, is there's going to be some essence of truth in it, no matter how far you go on that pendulum. And so, I think it's just telephone nowadays. By the way, you know, just, oh just yes, forgive me. <laughs> Thank you. I know because I, you know, I say Chinese telephone, and because for me too, that's a wonderful space to explore. Like, why did we call it that? Um, yes, and yes, recognizing yes. though that everything comes from intent and intention, right? right, right. And sometimes intention isn't to be, but also you have to learn. So, good telephone mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. those who are listening to me and are yeah. saying Jermaine is racist and prejudiced. Um, but, joking, but you know, um, you know, from the from the Caribbean landscape sometimes we, we tend to play with that stuff as well like sometimes because you know it's a different lens and that's why context is everything and so when yeah. people talk about things out of context um though learning is important to move forward but i absolutely agree um yeah. context and everything and you say these things too coming from like the way you grew up and not recognizing yeah. too, that within yeah, those spaces I, there are spaces to learn and the gaps we talk about the gaps in between earlier on yeah because I, yeah. wa- I walk into a room sometimes, you know, and, and, and there might be, it might be happening, you know, and somebody goes, I smell curry. And I go, you're racist just because I'm Indian. Doesn't mean <laughs> it. So, I mean, I'm just playing. I, I mean, I know that's not yeah. the reason they're saying that. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, I think there has to, which is odd because humor is also a really wonderful way to investigate things that are really difficult. Yeah. yeah. And we don't want to take away from that space too. Like, because I, I, I do question, I mean, that, Chinese skip, Chinese telephone, like the way we think, and like, and like, why do we call it that? Versus, you know, like, but it's things that you grew up saying and doing, like the Mr. Yeah. Chin, the Mr. Right. Chin idea that, you know, you call all Asian people who's, who has a market in Jamaica, Mr. Right. Chin, and there's this kind of interesting space that is a very, because if you look at it from the American lens and that perspective, it's a very different lens. And that's why we, you know, it's really, really powerful to go back into the cultural space to see why. 
um, understanding what happens. And of course, you want to evolve the language and respect anybody within right, any culture right. that says, actually, let's shift from that. I'm like, absolutely, without even questioning why I can, mm-hmm. sh- I can shift from it. But I think the artist in us, going back to the question, can live in that space of the question. I think that's why art is important in any society. For us to question and take a mirror and look at ourselves to say, hmm, that's worth investigating for us to learn from and learn from not necessarily in this kind of didactic preacher way, but to go, that was something that was ex- experienced and expressed and why even within the language and the cultural nuances of the language, do we do these things? Um, mm. Because everyone's learning curve is important and yeah. not canceling out somebody's learning curve because they may be offensive. is also important and it's tough. It's, it, is, and, it is. And I think that's why I use Jack Mandora Mm-hmm. And I love, I, you know, when you fall in love with your own work, I, I genuinely love my own work because for me, it was, it was a space that within it, Jack Mandora says, we each have to find our own story. Mm-hmm. And in finding mm-hmm. our own story, collectively, we're going to be better. Yeah. Um, but each of us need to be willing to listen to each other's story within the space of also owning your own story. Yeah. And that's what creates this, the, the, the calm and the storm the validity of each of our stories all at the same mm. time. And that's gonna, and that's hard to do. Yeah. And and the truth, I mean, the truth is that there's no one Jamaican story. You know, there's there's no one catch-all, you know. Everybody's going to yeah. have a different experience. Even if you grew up in the same house, sometimes, you know, Absolutely. everybody has a different experience of being Jamaican. Yeah, um, and I think all those know. experiences are uniquely Jamaican. And I yeah. think that's what, yeah. you know, and so when you go back to the question of artists telling that gaze, we also have to be willing to recognize that the strength of it is the diversity in it, the yes. diversity in this, in, in the way I can take um, listening to the Kumina rhythms and create an aria from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That also is important because I like in my musical, I wrote an aria of the mother singing in the market scene where the coronation market scene that's happening with all the cacophonous sound mm. of um, everything that's happening singing over all of that is the mother singing an ar- singing an aria oh, if you beautiful. see my son i need him to come home like and while, while underneath that we're playing kubina so nice. all of those live within the space at all points um and they all of those are you know we read i think sometimes i'm challenged by people are gonna say what i'm challenged by our motto out of many one people but i'm mm-hmm. challenged by it in the way that to fully embrace that requires more work than we often are willing to take and do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like we have to be willing to recognize that out of many one people intrinsic in that are differences. Right. And those right. differences need to also be celebrated within mm-hmm. the oneness. And because sometimes, and I think, and I asked that question in the beginning of, um, of the musical, um, I use that out of many one people in a way in the beginning of the musical to ask that question. But what of those within the out of many that are hearing the different voices and spaces in between? Are there spaces for those voices to also be highlighted in out of the one many? Or is mm-hmm. out of the one many people idea saying we need to have one culture? And I don't know if I don't, and it's not a investigation that's good or bad it's not always a bad thing or good thing it's more investigating it to make sure that an out of many we are one also celebrates the many as well the many voices that can live within the oneness and both of those things live a lot and that's so it was the question i made anansi represent the oneness in a way and jack mandora questioning the out of many Mm-hmm. That and making both of them together create the space of out of many we are one people, making it wonderful. That we have to welcome that within the Jamaican spaces, there are the diversity, even within the same culture that are equally as valid and wonderful. Wow, wonderful, wonderful. Well, Jermaine, I mean, I, I thank you, <laughs> thanks for, <laughs> for for entertaining me and for you know for for, for, for ha- having us share this little space to talk about. 
Caribbean things and Jamaican things and, and Caribbean-ness and the exp- exploration of it. And I really hope, because we, we spoke about some really cool things, some really, I, I, I mean, I want to say profound things, but, but uh, I think it's things that can spur more questions with other people as well. And, I agree. Uh, and, I, and I hope it does, um, because there are important questions to, uh, as I said before, <laughs> to inspire Yeah, and I thank you for this platform. I mean, I want to say one thing before I go, because I'm. this is... I'm also, like you are, at so many for standing on the shoulders of many people who've come before, who've been questioning these things and spaces. I was very fortunate to work with Professor Natalie Ford in a lot of ways, just like as a mentee. And I always remember him saying to me that when he was pushing into Kumina, that we all love now as Jamaican, wonderful, and the most iconic dance of our culture, that when he was pushing into it, and even Lantonette Steins, when she was pushing into some of her work at Atlantic and studying the dance hall culture and spaces, it was initially frowned upon and not right. seen as enough high culture or like, so we have to keep pushing against those things because now we go, Oh my goodness, we've created this wonderful Jamaican technique line tech, which was in the culture. And she saw the valor in it already. And we look at professor Nettleford's Kumina and saying, Oh, it's such a beautiful iconic work. But there was a time too, that within the out of many one spaces, people were looking at the work saying, you can't put Kumina on stage. You know, it's not really, Mm-hmm. Oh, something you put on the stage and so we need to keep pushing against the culture and leaning into it fully even when sometimes it makes those of us uncomfortable to say is that what we put on stage or put in the spaces yeah. if it's within yeah. the culture it's worth exploring artistically yeah more often than not we I mean especially as as artists and people who are innovating we really just have to kind of put on the blinders and 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 cover our ears and just listen create to the, the work. Voice and keep create going, the yeah. work from passion. See what what yeah. calls you. What what's that question that you're trying to navigate and trust it? Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful word. Wonderful word. Me like it. Thank you. Me <laughs> <laughs> like it. So me like it. Yeah, Raymond. <laughs> 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 thanks, Raymond. Sorry, thanks, Jermaine. Thank you, man. Yeah, man. Bless you.